0: I put in some trail mix before Mm -hmm. going out and doing our Hammerfest ride and did not sit well, did not digest. Coach uh, Dale had a, uh, he said he had a salad and and some trail mix was his fuel for the day. Yeah. Hey, we make mistakes too. Mm Mm-hmm. Welcome everyone to another episode of Coaches on Couches. Bing slouches. Today, we are going to talk about how to dial in carbohydrate intake for endurance athletics. We're talking about exercise, racing, that sort of thing. We're not talking day-to-day carb intake here. We're not
1: talking about how much you put in your coffee.
0: Yeah, unless you're looking for that type two.
1: Unless you want the BDs. Yeah,
0: because we're going to be talking about taking in a serious amount of carbs here. Yes, we are. So we'll get to that in just a second. I'm Coach Dale Sanford. I am Coach Bryant Funston. We are the co-founders of
1: BPC Performance Coaching, where we specialize in helping time-crunched athletes optimize their busy schedules so they can maximize their athletic performance. You can find out more about BPC by going to buildpeakcompete.com. Checking us out on Facebook and YouTube at Compete. All up on that is Instagram at BPCPerformance. And on any of your favorite podcasting, streaming, subscribing networks. Speaking of subscribing, Dale.
0: Yeah, if you want to pass along a virtual high five. We appreciate them. Any t- any uh, ratings, reviews, comments, positive, likes, positive. Yeah, only five star, please. <laughs> uh, if you give us a four star, you're dead to us. Uh, we appreciate all that stuff, and it, it helps the uh, helps us continue to give you content. And uh, yeah, excellent. So we're jumping in. Jump carbon, take
1: head first into carbs. Yeah.
0: So this is this is very keto friendly. <laughs> Topic of conversation. Yeah, all you keto folks, listen closely. Uh So it's kind of a topic that it's it's uh, seems so simple, Mm -hmm. but people make it really complicated. We're going to try to yeah
1: simplify things. Yeah, we're going to re-simplify it.
0: Um, All of the recent research on carbon take for endurance athletes, keep that in mind, uh, has really gone to a very simple. Um, you know, maybe five different levels um, of recommendations. And from there on, it's just choosing your sources and testing it. But first, Brandt, what is a carbohydrate? Definition. Carbohydrates or
1: carbs are sugar molecules. Along with proteins and fats, carbohydrates are one of three main nutrients found in foods and drinks. Your body breaks down carbohydrates into glucose, Glucose or blood sugar is the main source of energy for your body's cells, tissues, and
0: organs. Boom, there you go. So, it, you know, in short, carbohydrates pro- provide that quick-burning energy. You know, to help you prevent uh, glycogen depletement, depletion. Depletion. So, blood. You know, low blood sugar. Yeah. So, like,
1: for someone for someone listening in, you go out you exercise as your intensity increases, your body needs energy to to do so. Your body needs energy to stay alive. Um, And essentially that main fuel source is going to be glucose. Now, if it's, if it's available and ready in the bloodstream and we're providing extra sugars into the system, extra glucose um, or carbohydrates, sorry, into the system, um, you're going to delay glycogen depletion. So now what's glycogen? Your body's going to store glycogen or sugar that becomes readily available. It's easily converted into the bloodstream. Your body is going to store that in, in the liver and in the muscles. So what, what your goal is as, a, as an athlete and what we're trying to convey today is how can we prevent you running out of stored muscle and liver glycogen to increase the duration that you can compete, train, at a high level of intensity without hitting that dreaded bonk.
0: Oh, hunger flat. Hunger flat. So just so that we're clear here, when we're talking about carbohydrates, some of the most common forms Mm -hmm. of carbohydrates in your day-to-day, you know, are going to be the refined sugars, starches like rice and and stuff like that. So, you know, just to be clear, we're not talking about thick cuts of sirloin and... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> exactly. everything that goes with it
1: exactly so yeah, most food or there's a lot of foods that are going to have carbohydrates in them now if you're following a keto diet obviously your goal is to not eat the carbohydrates um so you'd be avoiding all of those the flowers the grains the uh the, the white starchy foods anything starchy you'd, you'd essentially be avoiding but we want to drive our attention sort of away from the day-to-day stuff. And instead, our goal is like, okay, how can we give our body the the quickest burning fuel? How can we make it the easiest on the body to top off and maintain high energy levels through a, a demanding training session of different durations? So we're going to kind of go into the different durations and what sort of uh, fueling carb intake you should be thinking about for those durations.
0: Yeah, so, you know, the part of the question is like, and you've kind of gone into it a little bit, but why do we even have to uh, replace glycogen and carbohydrates? And you know, obviously, you know, the short answer is it is to prevent the prevent bonking mm-hmm. and uh, your energy, your blood sugar to just you know bottom out. Your body glucose. Well, one, and this is you know not to go in the weeds on keto and stuff, but. Uh, you know, glucose is basically the only form of fuel that your brain uses. So lack of that uh, can really affect cognitive function. Um, but your, your liver and your muscles really only store 4 to 500 calories or, or grams, sorry, 4 to 500 grams of, of glycogen, carbohydrates, whatever. Um, so you're talking about you have a well of maximally around 2,000 calories to pull from. Now, if you if you're doing the math in your head already, um, in a moderate uh, intensity or higher intensity event, you can burn a thousand calories an hour fairly easily, especially on the run. Mm -hmm. So, if you're thinking about doing something that's half marathon, full marathon, uh, you know, Olympic, even an Olympic distance triathlon, that sort of thing, anything longer than that. You really, really run the risk of totally bonking out, um, and if you've never been there, it's awful. Oh yeah,
1: you know once you get there. Yeah, I mean I've had some I've had some rides where it's like you have energy and then suddenly you don't. Your your legs just go away and they just feel like a hollow shell of what they used to be, and you may have been riding at twenty miles an hour and suddenly you're struggling to go twelve miles an hour. I'm sure we can all relate. For those of you listening uh, and uh, live with us right now uh, or uh, via the the YouTubes, go ahead and give us a a little comment if you've ever experienced
0: yeah, I wanna, the I higher w- flat. I would like to hear everyone's worst bonk story. I've got some bad ones. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, if you drop a comment on your worst bonk. And
1: something else to think about there, like the higher intensity you're exercising at, the more you're going to be burning glucose, like carbohydrates need to be your primary fuel source. You can get away with, uh, at lower intensities, your body's going to be utilizing more fat as well. But as that intensity really spikes up, the main fuel source, um, is going to be carbohydrates for your body. So, uh, it becomes even more important, the higher the intensity is that you're really paying attention to, to getting the carbs in, um, and ideally more of the simple carbohydrates, that your body does not have to break down further before using that as energy.
0: Yeah, I mean the the, the two parts there are higher intensity not only burns more calories in general, mm-hmm. but a higher percentage of that those calories are from carbohydrates. Exactly. So it becomes more and more important. And if you look at the intensity levels that a lot of uh, a lot of competitive folks are racing, even half iron, full iron at. They're they're on they're on a pretty high level from start to finish, uh, so they're you know you're trying to burn as much fat as possible, but mm-hmm. physiologically you're still going to burn a heck of a lot of carbs. Oh, for sure. And when your well is only 2,000 calories, and you're out there for 10 hours, uh, got to be doing something. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're gonna work on teaching you how to dial in carbohydrate carbohydrate intake for endurance athletics. And the very first thing you got to know is just the general guidelines. Yep. And again, this is only for exercise. This is not day to day. We're not going to be pounding in hundred grams of carbs an hour, uh, while you're sitting at your desk. No, we're thinking about our bodies needing energy because we are exercising at a high,
1: high intensity level, uh, not sitting at our desk doing nothing with a heart rate of, 55 beats per minute.
0: <laughs> so we'll kind of take this in in notches based on duration. And what we're the assumption that we're going to kind of make is that the shorter duration is going to be higher intensity and the longer duration the intensity will start to drop. Mm-hmm. So if you are going for less than 30 minutes, easy little cruise. Yeah, or even a high intensity say 5k. Right. Nothing. You don't really need food. It'd be good to have some on board before, mm-hmm. but a lot of people can even get away on doing this type of a workout or a race fasted, yeah. and it's not usually a big deal.
1: Yeah, if you're in that situation, you know, hitting a gel thirty minutes before just so you've got some of the the sugars in the in the bloodstream ready to rock might work for you. But in general, don't need yeah. anything. Thirty minutes less,
0: you're good. So um, forty five to sixty minutes. That's kind of where you might want a small amount, and generally, again, it's probably like right before. It's not. It's not usually during. Yeah. Uh, it, personally, if I'm doing a sprint try and it's even maybe over a little bit over an hour, I don't take in any carbohydrates. Uh, I, you're per- not waiting until minute fifty-five and and slamming slam, in gel yeah. just to have have energy the last five minutes. No, doesn't work that. I way. I usually end up wanting to vomit that up. <laughs> Um so if you're going 1 to 2 hours, okay, now we're going to start getting into some real carbohydrate intake. So at that duration you're looking at 30 to 60 grams per hour. Right? So you can you can do the math. 30, 30 to 60 grams per hour, you know, 4 calories per gram, you know, so you're up to like 240 uh calories an hour at that 1 to 2 hour mark. Now, that's calories and carbs. The thing that you have to take into consideration, you know, I would, I would say, yeah, for the person sitting here going, how, how in the heck do I figure out how many
1: grams are, in- if it's not showing it on the front of my, my gel, if all I'm seeing is the name of the product I'm eating, how do I know how many grams of, of carbohydrates are
0: in there? Yeah, there's, I mean, the nutrition label on flip it over. Yeah. Flip it <laughs> yep. up. The nutrition label on um, nutrition these days is actually decent. Mm-hmm. And, it'll tell you exactly how much carbohydrate is in your in your fuel source. Um, now, th- I think the thing that kind of went sideways for several years is that people were so, so concentrated on calorie, mm. like I need to hit X amount of calories per hour, um, and weren't paying attention to the carbohydrate load in that, and so you, they were choosing things that maybe had way too much fat and protein, and the mm. problem with that is that- Like oatmeal cookie sounds delicious, but when you start looking
1: into where some of those, those calories are coming from and you're starting to get a decent amount of fat and protein in that, which is not easily broken down and converted to energy um, and sits heavier on the stomach, you start running into some issues. Yeah,
0: prime example, Tuesday. Uh, <laughs> I've, made, I've, made the, I've made this mistake many times, and I keep telling myself you should stop doing that, but I love trail mix. Who doesn't love a delicious trail mix? And uh, I I put in some trail mix before Mm -hmm. going out and doing our Hammerfest ride and did not sit well, did not digest. Coach uh, Dale had a, uh, he said he had a salad and and some trail mix was his fuel for the day. Yeah. Hey, we make mistakes too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So one to two hours, 30 to 60 grams an hour. If you're going over two hours, Okay, now we're starting to get into that 60 to 90 grams per hour, you're turning into a lot higher risk of depletion, right. full depletion, yep, especially if you're if you're racing on that higher level. Yep. Um so 60-90 grams an hour for 2+ plus hours and then um if you're going over 6 hours, it's it's a similar load and people have even gotten, you know, 100 100 110 grams an hour, you know, at much longer durations, but for the most part, they're finding, you know, most researchers finding 60, 90 is still sufficient, but at that level, you still need to, you need to be working in some fat and protein. Now, again, those, those macros don't break down as easily. So you still have to be careful careful about how much you, you are taking in and generally speaking, um, if you, are going longer and easier, let's say ultra marathon, you know, hundred mile run, um, you can get away with more protein and more fat because your heart rate is just not going to be as high and digestion will still be doing its thing. Um, so, I mean, I have, I've got people that, and he knows who I'm talking about, uh, eat Chick-fil-A sandwiches while they're doing. Uh, you know, ultra marathons. uh, Coach Dale means himself. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I probably would do it, but my main man, Francisco, Uh. he, and it works for him, you know? So, um, you do have to cycle those things in, but you still need to be very cognizant of your carbohydrate intake and not picking on Francisco. And he wouldn't mind me saying this, but while we were working toward his, his last hundred, We were finding out that he was taking in enough calories per se, but not enough of it was carbohydrate. He was relying too heavily on those Chick fil A sandwiches, which are really high protein and fat. Mm -hmm. Um, He was getting in calories, but it just wasn't carbohydrates. So that was a big change that we made leading into um, his 100 mile run, and he nailed it. So, um, and I think that I think this kind of speaks to a very important part of this, which is. You
1: need to, you need to test it. You need to try it. You need, and you can train it. So like, uh, you know, if you, if you go out and you assume, and we'll get to this in, in step three, but like, don't just go out and say, well, I, I drank a lot of sugar and I put honey in water and it made my tummy hurt. And so I'm, I'm over this. I'm going back to my Chick-fil-A sandwiches. Um, <laughs> we need to, there, you, there, there is a, a process of, of actually improving at this. And we'll talk about that.
0: Yeah, I think, I think the other thing to to get out there, and, and, I, and the question is probably swirling in your head right now, is, you know, you're 6'2", 100 and whatever, I'm 5'9", uh, 100 and whatever, we won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, are the guidelines going to be the same? based on size or say, you know, five, three 110
1: pounds versus me. Yeah.
0: Or a brand, a new brand new person to the sport versus Mm -hmm. somebody who is racing at high level. Um, and to be honest, the recent research is showing that, um, it is relatively irrelevant of your gender experience level, um, size, that, that sort of thing. And these recommendations, they do work. Now, the, uh, the big thing there the is your gut um so not all guts were created equal n- no but the nice part is it can be trained yeah and we'll go we'll jump now into how to uh choose your sources yeah so step 1 is
1: essentially knowing how many carbs you should be trying to get in step 2 starting to look at okay now where can i get that the, those carbohydrates from so we have solids, we have semi-solids, we have liquids.
0: Yeah, so give some examples on each one of those.
1: Uh, so you've got your gels, you've got your bars, um, you've got your liquid hydration. I mean, essentially, that's going to be kind of your your big three, your chomps, your... You know, some people, if you, if you start looking at, even in like the Tour de France, there'll be times early on in a stage where you're seeing people eating like actual sandwiches, um, which in general, not something you would recommend for high intensity levels, but, you know, when they know the first half of the race is going to be chill for them, um, you know, they're able to, to actually do something like that. So.
0: Yeah. So generally speaking between solids, semi solids and liquids, uh, generally speaking, shorter durations, theoretically higher intensities do better with liquids. And the longer you're going, the longer you're out there, the more that you probably want to work with solids. Um, And then there's kind of everything in the middle that could be a mix. Um, And again, that is basically dependent on your gut. Mm -hmm. Um, But the big thing to consider is digestion. So as intensity level increases, digestion slows, uh, gastric emptying slows. So um, you are unable to digest those, uh, well, able to digest anything, uh, um, efficiently when you're going high intensity. So you need to go more toward the simplest form of carbohydrate, um, possible when you're going really, really hard. And just think back to
1: that time where you ate a big meal and then decided, oh, I'm going to go out for a run now. Your gut tells you pretty quick that it's not, not too happy about the level of solids that you just, (laughs) that you just put into it to your stomach.
0: Yeah. So one of the things that generally gets people in trouble, um, when choosing sources is either, um, too much of those other macros, fats and proteins, or it's just the type of carb that's being used is not ideal. Either the gut doesn't like it, or it's just not ideal for the activity, meaning, you know, fast versus slow burning carbs, slow burning carbs take they still digest easier than fats and proteins, but still take longer than say, you know, glucose, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, So now you, you actually experimented with different types of sugars, didn't yeah. you? When you were doing your own drink mixes and you found that certain types
0: were not that, jiving well with your gut, correct? As far as GI, yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah. GI discomfort in general, um, yeah, the, the, the type of sugar that's being used Uh, you know, whether it's like dextrose or maltodextrin Mm -hmm. or, you know, just table sugar or whatever, um, those, that's where people get sensitive to, uh, to, to the carbohydrate source. Um, yeah, I've seen that a ton. I mean, we've had folks that go, you go on this hunt for like the perfect gel or the perfect... You know, whatever, and unfortunately, what works for me is not necessarily going to work for you. Yeah. Uh, you know, so yeah, it, just look. You know, if you're if you're finding sources that aren't working for you, look at that. Look at the label. Yeah. And not only take note of what are the other like levels of macros in there, but mm-hmm. look at where the main source of sugars coming from or carbohydrate where where it's coming from. Um, and you'll probably end up finding, you know, a lot
1: of the more recent research also is a a lot of the, the sport nutrition is starting to move a little bit more towards having two different types of sugars as, as being the carbohydrates that are in there, because the science is showing that there's different pathways that your body can actually uptake and, and get that into the bloodstream. So having those two different sugars actually helps increase the amount of carbs your body can actually utilize.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you're to try to simplify it as much as possible, you some of the carbohydrates are absorbed very early on once they're put into your body and others have to then be taken into your gut, broken down, you know, and then it kind of makes its way into your bloodstream, you know. So um yeah, the the whole, you know, the big thing now is this like 2 to 1 fructose mm-hmm. glucose mm-hmm. uh you know seems to be working well for a lot of people um so yeah just when you're when you're picking your sources just be careful and be be conscious of what is in it and if it's not working try something else that has a different sugar source or carb source yeah which i think
1: is a great time to lead into step number 3 here which is actually experimenting yeah. with so before you go and start saying okay well it didn't work this single time i i trained with this gel let's just say uh what do we got we got a few snacks over here we got precision f- uh fuel 30 grams of carbs which has the 2 to 1 uh glucose to fructose and then we got the old honey stinger over here delicious Dale's, uh, also enjoys this one. This one's got 21 grams of carbohydrates. So we got 30 grams here. You got some protein in the, uh, in the old honey stinger. Um, I'm not totally sure. I think honey is their primary, right?
0: Adding and cane sugar. Okay. Yeah.
1: So, uh, you know, before you say, okay, well, I tried honey stingers one time and it didn't work cause I ate 14 of these in an hour, like, Give it a chance and slowly, just like you would with your training, slowly start ramping up the amount you use, slowly start increasing the intensity that you're, you're actually training your gut. And, um, we've even started putting on some people's programs. Like today is the day we want you to work on training your gut and we want you to start, you know, doing that at the intensity levels that you will see on race day, the heart rate levels you'll see on race day. Um,
0: yeah. One of the, one of the big things that, um, is important when you're choosing your sources is or your tastes mm-hmm. like a lot of people, I have a lot of athletes that say, I just cannot eat gels. I couldn't they're, stomach one more of those. Could not stomach gels. And some of it is they just haven't found the right flavor or they haven't, mm-hmm. or the ones they've tried are too flavorful or they're, or they're too thick or they're too, you know, so there are tons of options as far as gels go Ch- like, the chomps, the semi-solids, there's a lot of options there. Yeah. You you really have to be prepared. And this is why, like, um, athletes, like, professional athletes struggle with nutrition for years. Like, I mean, I don't know how many years Lionel's been saying that he's going to nail it. And, you know, I think he's actually gotten a hold of it at this point. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for a lot of, for several years, that was his big limiter. Yeah. Was nutrition. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's because it's a process and you can go seasons without really nailing it down because you haven't found the right sources yet. And your, your body can actually over the course of different, just different
1: temperature levels. So right now here in Memphis, we're in like the deep winter. Apparently the, it's never ending. What is it? The hedgehog? What is it? It sees a shadow <laughs> groundhog, groundhog day. We did a thing on the groundhog day. <laughs> uh, apparently it meant there was 14 more weeks of winter time. But what you'll end up seeing is like the the fuels that may taste good to you right now when they're still cold in your back pocket may end up tasting a whole lot different to you in the summertime when it's 105 degrees out. Um, so your your tastes may even change just relative to the temperature and they definitely can change relative to the intensity levels. Absolutely. And that's kind of a, an important thing. I was actually diving in with an athlete, a female athlete who uh, we did some of the hydration stuff with, and we were also uh, talking to her about nutrition. Um, and she was having some gut related issues, but what she was doing in training felt right. Like she was not having any issues, but then when she'd get late in a half marathon or sorry, late into her full marathon, she was starting to get gut issues, um, but when you actually started looking at what her heart rate levels, heart rate levels were at in training, they they stayed a lot lower. So even her race pace runs, her heart rate stayed lower because she was only going up to say two hours. But by the time she got to hour three, her heart rate level had spiked, and her stomach's ability to handle what she was was putting into her body changed. So you need to test it at the higher intensity levels as well, at the higher heart rate levels. So if you're, if you're someone who loves like data and has previous races and training sessions, go back and look and see what your, what your heart rate was doing the last 45 minutes of your key event, and then test this stuff at those heart rate levels.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know, I know, uh, to some extent over the years, we've kind of gave heart rate a bad name just because it fluctuates so easily based on, um, but heart rate is a response to something that's going on in your body. Physiological response. Uh, So yeah, if you, like you said, if you have old, old race data, see Mm -hmm. what they were, take yourself up there and see if that nutrition still works for you. Yeah. And the other thing when I was chatting with her, which I think can be relevant to
1: people listening in is, um, her high intensity stuff she was doing, like she was doing some higher intensity workouts But they were like, if we look back to what the recommendations we just gave, you know, under an hour or around an hour, not that much. Right. But applying that um, or applying the higher levels, essentially, uh, if she's going longer is where things could become an issue as well. So she wasn't fueling on the shorter stuff when her heart rate was actually getting high. Uh, and so then when it actually came down to race day on the back end, she started having, having some gut related issues. So, um, train, even though you may not need the fuel for a shorter session, test it out on some of those shorter days, uh, and have it as this is my, my gut training day.
0: Yeah. The, um, the, the thing that, that I see, the mistake I see made by triathletes a lot is especially long course, you get to the end of a long ride and you you know you're only doing maybe a, a three or four mile run off the bike and you're like oh, I don't need that I don't need any more fuel for three or four miles and you stop fueling like 30 minutes before um, your brick run like you need to be testing this you need to be eating straight into that you yeah. know fueling right into that brick run uh, so that you can make sure that when you get off the bike that stuff's still gonna settle when you get on the run mm-hmm. at race pace. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. Yep. One thing that we didn't really mention when choosing uh, sources, but I think is important, is ease of consumption. And there are a lot of people out there that cannot open a package <laughs> while <laughs> while riding a bike, uh, or even you know running. You know, it, it's it's not quite as easy to to fuel. Um, you know, different sports are are again. Uh, running seems to be much more difficult to fuel in general. But mm. um, when it comes to the packaging, like y- you have to be able to get into it to actually eat. Um, so just consider like either, you know, pre-opening your stuff, which yeah, what sure. a lot of people do. Yep. Um, or just make sure you have I the ability. I don't recommend pre-opening
1: your gels, however. <laughs> <laughs> End up with a messy pocket.
0: No, I, I, I'm, I'm one of the people that, like just Rambos all the gels on the top tube. And then when you pull it out of the tape, it by Rambo,
1: he means tapes it to
0: the top. Uh, tube. Yeah. Well, it, it just, yeah, <laughs> a long strip of yeah. gels along the entire top tube. Um, but yeah, just make sure you can get into this stuff. Exactly. I mean, yeah. So, you know, we, we've already gone into the step three, which is testing. But, um, you know, if you're going in, in the, in the process, you get your sources you start testing on long workouts. If it's not working, um, we recommend trying to like just dial back the amount first. Like you know, try to try to fuel to that to whatever guideline you're supposed to be fueling to. Mm-hmm. If it's not working, you're getting GI distress dial it back a little bit, and then try to build it back up to those guidelines over the next two or three weeks. It may not be the source. Mm-hmm. It may be that your gut is just not prepared yeah. yet to take on that much carbohydrate in an hour.
1: Yeah, and hopefully you've got plenty of time before that goal event, and you can gradually start ramping it up. So you don't need to go from, okay, I just listened to this this podcast, and I've been doing zero sugars. I've been eating beef jerky, and now I'm going to do 90 grams of carbs an hour. Like, we can start with 30 and see how that goes. Move it up to 60 if you're fine there. Then, you know, stair step it up. It doesn't have to be zero to hero uh, the first time you go out there and test it.
0: I mean, make no mistake, 90 grams of carbs is a lot. It's like quite a few in a, carbs. In an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, just as a personal example, w- when I did Memphis 70.3 this last year, uh, I had it, I added it out to about 62 grams per. So I was in the range, but on the lower end. Uh, and I probably could have used another couple of gels during the entire race, which yeah would have bumped me up another five or so.
1: By could have used, you mean you didn't have them with you or you just didn't feel like taking them in? I didn't have them with me. Okay. Yeah. I didn't have enough with me. Yeah.
0: It was mostly, I probably could have used one more on the bike and one more on the run. Uh, I just kind of ran out of fuel with that, with about, four or five miles to go in the run so um but i felt great i mean i had the best feeling 70.3 i've ever had um and in the past i've definitely had like waves of energy and you know you get toward the end of the run and if you're not if i was you know in the past if i wasn't cramping i was bonking so uh dale loves long horse i i uh (laughs) I dialed it in this time and we were all good. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I trained with the fuel that I used all the way up to it. And the last several, um, race pace runs, I took way more fuel than I needed to for that specific training session. Uh, you know, I, I made sure that on race day, I was not going to, uh, have a stomach problem from, you know, because all i ate was gels i had i had a little bit of carbohydrate in my in my fluids uh, but all i ate was gels
1: yeah so question that just popped up what about fueling you know talking about triathlon uh, what about fueling during a swim is that something you've ever done is that something that is done or is it primarily i'm going to knock out the stuff prior to it and then i'm going to make sure i get back on it as soon as i get yeah out normally
0: it's 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 you rely more on what you are eating for breakfast and um, I'll eat a little bit more right before the swim. So generally speaking, like in a shorter duration race, I won't eat more like an hour out. I won't have any more fuel, but, this year during the half, like it was maybe twenty minutes before we started and I popped the gel. Yeah. And I had a great breakfast, you know, pretty big breakfast and
1: which that's a recommendation we'd say for anyone. If it's like a bigger training day or a bigger race, hitting thirty grams, you know, thirty minutes beforehand is gonna be a good strategy for you as well. Almost like we talk a lot about preloads. If you listen to our our hydration podcast, we talk about preloading, kind of similar from a from a carbohydrate carbohydrate standpoint, um, making sure you've got fuel in the system prior to starting, as opposed to, okay, my goal is ninety grams every hour. We don't want you waiting till minute sixty to take in ninety grams. Like think of it a little more like an IV as opposed to a shot. Like maybe every twenty minutes you're taking down thirty grams.
0: Yeah, yeah, I like. Um a little bit off topic but as far as timing goes after the swim like i i'll hit a gel 20 minutes before mm-hmm. and we're talking half iron distance here yep. so um 20 bit before and then as soon as i get on the bike i start fueling um you know that way you're you like haven't as gone. your leg
1: flies over
0: yeah the yeah. seat my flying mount also <laughs> includes slamming a gel Uh, yeah. So, I mean, you get, you have to get on your fueling strategy immediately after the swim. Uh, otherwise you're, you just went, you know, 30 to 45 minutes or whatever, uh, without fueling at all. And that means you're on the back foot. So you need to get on it quick. Um, and then (laughs) if I could give one last piece of advice to, on the testing side of things, it's once you think you have it dialed, Test it again. (laughs) Test it again. Yeah, you want confidence in your nutrition. You want confidence in everything. You want confidence in your training,
1: like our slogan, trust your training. Comes down to you putting in the work so you have trust on race day that you are going to have a good event and you know what you're doing. Same thing with your nutrition plan. Uh, Same thing with your hydration plan. Like all of that, you want as many variables of the sport taken care of ahead of time your equipment like you want to make sure that's dialed in too you don't want to be showing up on race day and going oh i didn't notice the big giant cut in the sidewall of my tire like you know you want full confidence in as many aspects as you got and fueling's a huge huge part of that yeah
0: And it's like the- fourth
1: sport you don't want to show up, like if you're a car racer you're not going to leave the fuel at home right so your car's not going to go very far once that gas runs out, it's the same thing with your body. Like you've got to be topping off, uh, you know, and you got race cars that, that stop in the pits all the time. Right. So, um, your body needs the fuel. Carbs are the best way to get the fuel quickly into your system. Your body utilizes it the the easiest. Um, and then, you know, the more you can get in odds are you're going to be running a deficit. You're going to be burning through more than you can actually consume and uptake. So your goal is to like, how much can I get in? How much can my body actually process and how much energy can I keep going in? So I don't have that, that bonk.
0: Yeah. And I know, uh, I know this, uh, this question just came to my head. So I know that somebody else is thinking it. So what about folks that want to fuel long duration stuff with just liquids? So, you know, you've got companies like Tailwind and Infinite and stuff like that that make, you know, liquids, uh, sports drinks with a decent amount of carbohydrates in them. Um, but is that the best option? I mean, for me personally, I there was no way
1: I could do something that is super long duration. Like when I did the, the St. Jude 24-hour ride and did that solo, There was no more tasty fuel than that Taco Bell burrito I had at like 1 a.m. That thing was so delicious. But I'm exercising, And, and a lot of it is I was, I had a variety of different fuel sources coming in, but almost like the body, the human body is used to eating food as well. And so only having liquid fuel sources, there's just something about that as well. Now performance-wise, I watched um there's a documentary I forget ride it wasn't ride the divide. Um but it's essentially a self-supported ride where folks go from the northwest um kind of ram style I know you're and about. they take it like all the way to Virginia. But it's like 5000 miles or something crazy. And there was one dude who was doing it all on liquid nutrition. Yeah, he was and like he was sh- mailing bags of stuff to different PO boxes or whatever. So he would have this mix along the way. Um, so I'm not going to say you can't, you can't do that. Um, but for super long distance stuff in general, you'll find people will take in a bigger variety and your tastes tend to change over the course of 24 hours or 36 hours or 48 hours.
0: Yeah. The big, my big problem with it is taste fatigue. Mm -hmm. Uh, once you're over it and you stop fueling, your race is going to be over pretty soon. Exactly. Uh, The other side of it is in a case of where it's pretty hot and humid, um, whatever's in that bottle is what you get every time you take a swig of that bottle. So um, if you need more fluid and electrolytes because you're sweating like crazy, but you don't need more carbohydrates because you're already on target for your, your whatever guideline you're on, um, you can't, you can't get one or the other uh, if you need one or the other, you you always get everything in one bottle. Uh, so I've seen it get people in trouble quite a bit as far on the hydration side of things. Yeah. Carbohydrate, they're great, and it works great for them in cooler weather, uh, you know, winter ultras and stuff like that. But as soon as it starts getting hot, no. it's that. And I don't know if you've ever tried to drink something with a ton of carbohydrates in it when it's hot and when the fluids get hot. That we call that gut rot. That is it, recipe uh, for gut
1: rot. It takes me back to uh, the Rockabilly Grand Prix road race that I had, <laughs> and I was drinking a whole lot of high sugar drink, and almost puked it all up within three miles uh, of the time trial that I was doing later on. Like that was my replenishing fuel source in between the races, and it did not <laughs> it did not go well. It was like, right on the. Uh.
0: It, it definitely works for some, but yep in certain durations, I, intensities and conditions. I mean I
1: think you you hit the nail on the head with the taste fatigue part for the long distance folks. Like you mm-hmm. want to be able to have a variety of stuff to pull from and and know that it works okay on your stomach because what you think you may enjoy for the whole thing may not work out. And if you stop eating your toes. Your dunzo, yeah. Long distance stuff is pacing and fueling. Like those are the two things And so long as your mind's right, your body can do amazing long distance, ultra distance stuff.
0: Yeah. So, um, are there any
1: horses for us to beat? Let's find a horse and we'll dive into, let's really drill down into one of these
0: topics, Dale. (laughs) Let's give them recommendations. Let's just go with it. You know, we, um, we have a great, we've had a great relationship with precision fuel and hydration for the last five years. Mm -hmm. Um, and one of the m- main reasons is because because they really do make great products, and they listen to the athletes, and they listen to, uh, or they they actually are a part of a lot of the new research and uh, and looking at case studies of of professional athletes and amateur athletes at different durations, intensity levels, sports disciplines, like all this stuff. They're looking at science and application. It's not
1: just all in a laboratory. They're saying, okay, here's what research is showing. Here's what is practical. Here's what's actually being done, and then trying to, to merge the two as best as possible.
0: Right, and so so we use their products for hydration, for fueling. Um, that those are my choices for even if I'm going to go liquid, uh, if I'm going to have calories in the bottle, I'm going to use I'm going to use the PFNH stuff, gels for sure. I, you know, like I know I'm I'm I mean everyone's going to say I'm biased which I am. But, um, I, until I started taking and using the, the precision gels, I could get like two in three in maybe total, not like in an hour. Um, and the, the rest of the race, I'm like, I don't want, I don't want it. I don't want anything to do with a gel, but somehow, some way these things, the the flavor is super light. Uh, the consistency goes down really easy you don't really need water with it um
1: yeah it, it contains a little more fluid than what like a thicker gel would right
0: be. and so i for the half Ironman man this last year i had eight of them and in 440 and some change and it was fine i could ate more and never desired anything else i mean so that's a testament to these things they're they're awesome um Solid food though. If I'm going long course, like long, long course, uh, I do, I do love my uh, my honey stingers. They are delicious. Mm. <laughs> my kids want to eat them as snacks. I have to hide them because <laughs> the kids love them. I've been personally for me,
1: uh, I I tend to go more towards like the chomps. I like the chomps, especially early on, and even blending them with the the precision fuel gels. Um, but as I get later on in an event, I'll be doing pretty much straight gels and then also using, I do some, um, carbohydrate in my drinks as well, uh, just to make it easy. So I know that I'm getting plenty of that, but I also, you know, I have my electrolytes dialed in on my fluid. So if I'm drinking something, I'm getting the electrolytes I need as well. Yeah. But mine's a little more simple because most of my things are, most of my races are done in three hours. You know, I'm not doing five, five plus.
0: The, the, the other thing that I really like about the PFNH products is that they're all like in 30 gram increments. So the, like they've simplified intake. Mm -hmm. So I just knew that if I took two gels an hour, I was already at 60. And then if I kept a little bit in the bottle, you know, not a high carb drink, but a little bit in the bottle, I was getting over 60 an hour. Uh, plus my electrolytes and everything um, and now they have now they've got the 90 gram gels so if you're really sh- shooting for the top top end here one of those suckers an hour Dude, I'm going for that this weekend I mean I, they're I don't know not to I, I don't want to make this sound like an infomercial here but i uh, I do love I do love those gels i I agree. I'm with you. What are what are the other like solid stuff? You know, I'll do Lar bars, yeah.
1: but that's so like go back to Rider Rosemary. That's I, I tend to go with more. Um, I mean, and that's gonna have that has nuts and stuff in it too. So you're gonna have the fats, you're gonna have the proteins, you're gonna have the carbohydrates. Um, that that is fine for me when the intensity levels are lower, and even if there's some shorter spikes. But if it's something like a, a race situation where I'm gonna have heart rate pegged for a longer duration. I got to go with stuff that is much lighter on the stomach. Um, and I need to make sure as I've gotten older, I have to make sure I'm eating further away from the start time as well. So what I'm eating is now changing, uh, you know, go back to the hard ride, the, the first kind of really high intensity ride we just had uh, the other day. And I made sure it was over three hours out. Whereas I used to be able to get away with, you know, two hours. Um, from from eating normal foods. Trying to foods. say you're
0: not as regular these days. I guess uh, <laughs> need some prune juice in that next bottle topic, there, old man. <laughs> oh, been, <laughs> it's never been a problem for the
1: vegan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I will say though one thing. I, uh, like you mentioned, keeping the the drink lighter. I'm the exact same way. And some people are fine with having a bunch of calories in their in their drinks. Um, for me, number just flavor standpoint, that does not. I don't want to drink it as much if it's super sugary. Tasting.
0: Yeah. Especially when it warms up. So, yeah, test. Test people. Yep.
1: Test what works for you.
0: All right. I think we nailed it. All right, we get we appreciate you guys hanging out, listening, watching. And if you enjoyed this, subscribe. There you go. Catch you guys next time. Adios.
1: Peace. <laughs>